0: I stopped to write some grievances on the Festivus poll down the street. Have you seen the Festivus pole? Yeah, you go down the street on 62, there's a Festivus pole with a sign so you can write your grievances. No, j- just kidding. Uh, actually, it was uh, my own, like, waiting till the last minute to do things is why I'm late, so. All right, well, um, good morning, everyone. Welcome to a new year, but uh, same old study of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, let me open our time together uh, with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you that uh, you are a God of uh, faithfulness and that um, you uh, are faithful to your word. You're faithful when you promise to bring blessings, but you're also faithful when you promise to bring judgments. Um, And we pray that you would help us to trust in you, uh, in your mercies to us, but also in um, your corrections to us. Uh, Help us uh, receive instruction. Lord, we thank you for uh, the faithfulness of the prophet Jeremiah uh, who um, uh, presented your word uh, to uh, people who didn't want to hear it, but who also pled the people's case uh, to you, O God, uh, when you said you did not want to hear it. So we pray that um, you would uh, teach us um, by his words and by his example Um, Give us instruction on not just uh, how we should think, but uh, how we should live uh, and live a life of faithfulness uh, and obedience uh, to you, uh, all the while trusting in your gracious uh, salvation of us, that you have redeemed us uh, from the pit, Uh, you have taken um, dead hearts and made them alive. Uh, We ask that you would quicken them this morning by your spirit, uh, hearing your word and discussing it together, and we pray these things. In Christ's name, by the power of your spirit, amen. All right, if you'll turn with me in your uh, Bibles as we uh, begin our first Sunday school of the new year, uh, we'll be picking up in Jeremiah chapter 14. And as you're finding your way uh, there, let me, since it's been a few weeks uh, since we've been together, let me kind of give a brief uh, um, uh, synopsis of where we are in the book. So if you'll remember, the first half of the book of Jeremiah, roughly chapters 1 to 25, um, are are kind of like Jeremiah's greatest hits. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we're not given dates. We're, we're, it's not being presented necessarily in a uh, chronological framework. Um, it's a, an assemblage of Jeremiah's prophecies that capture um, the, the many themes that run throughout the book. And we've seen... Um, this, this critique of the people of Judah that Jeremiah has presented. Um, they're adulterous uh, in the, that how they've gone after other gods uh, and, and giving themselves in, in actual physical acts of sexual license and worshiping these gods uh, who, as Jeremiah said, are no gods at all. Um, we've seen how they've, um, uh, are a people characterized by oppression uh, destruction of the helpless. And the you know the most uh, graphic image of, of that is um, sacrificing even their children um, to these uh, um, non-gods. Um, and then also how they've trusted in their own political machinations uh, rather than seeking help from the Lord God Almighty, turning to the nations ar- around them. Uh, in the midst of all this um, sinfulness and clear and visible evidence of their grievous sins, uh, and there's that great picture, like, they're like, What have we done? And Jeremiah's like, Look, well, count the altars. <laughs> you, you've got uh, deities that, more than streets in the city. Um, despite all that, uh, the people themselves think they are relatively good and safe. Um, because they're outwardly performing religious rituals, sacrifices, uh, they have the presence of God's temple and God's king and God's city, so they're they're reliant on, on these these outward manifestations of of, of um, godliness. But as Jeremiah shows over and over again, the people's hearts are turned uh, completely over to evil inclinations, and they again and again stubbornly refuse to hear God. So by word and deed, uh, Jeremiah has demonstrated how Judah has violated God's covenant, but the people don't want to hear. In chapter 12, we saw the first of of many plots against Jeremiah's life, uh, this attempt to silence Jeremiah um, not because necessarily they hate Jeremiah, but they hate what he wants to say, and they're trying to prevent him from proclaiming God's uh, words. And as we'll see in chapter 14, their preference is to uh, listen to uh, these lying prophets uh, who are promising good things rather than judgment. So even though people are plotting against him, Jeremiah continues to plead for God's mercy, um, despite God repeating repeatedly saying, don't pray for this people, and we'll see that uh, line again uh, in chapter 14. So with that as a quick uh, recap of where we are in the book, let me read for us Jeremiah chapter 14. Hear now the word of God. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the drought. Judah mourns, and her gates languish. Her people lament on the ground, and the cry of Jerusalem goes up. Her nobles send their servants for water. They come to the cisterns. They find no water. They return with their vessels empty. They are shamed and confounded and cover their heads. Because of the ground that is dismayed, since there is no rain on the land, the farmers are ashamed. They cover their heads. Even the doe in the field forsakes her newborn fawn because there is no grass. The wild donkeys stand on the bare heights. They pant for air like jackals. Their eyes fail because there is no vegetation. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. O you, hope of Israel, It's Savior in time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? Why should you be like a man confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Thus says the Lord concerning this people, they have loved to wander thus, They have not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. The Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them, and who say, sword and famine shall not come upon this land, by sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem, victims of famine and sword, with none to bury them, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, for I will pour out their evil upon them. You shall say to them this word, let my eyes run down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people is shattered with a great wound, with a very grievous blow. If I go out into the field, behold those pierced by the sword, and if I enter the city, behold the diseases of famine, for both prophet and priest ply their trade through the land. And have no knowledge. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but no good came. For a time of healing, but behold, terror. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, and the iniquity of our fathers. For we have sinned against you. Do not spurn us for your namesake. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember, and do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the false gods of the nations that can bring rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? We set our hope on you, for you do all these things. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. Okay, so chapter 14 begins with this poetic description of a drought. Um, so, as you look at verses one through six, um, what, what images uh, does Jeremiah convey about this drought? What, what's the picture we're given um, as the chapter starts of what's happening in, um, in Judah? <coughs> dismay, uh, in what ways, dismay? <laughs> what, what was that, uh, Cynthia? Empty wealth. Empty wealth, so like, and you think often in times of like, you know, uh, scarcity of a resource, who can get that resource, like the wealthy. Um, so here, water is so scarce that even the, you know, all their wealth that they possess, all the servants they employ, um, are coming back empty-handed. They can't find water. So yeah, their their wealth is, uh, you know, the thing that they think, oh, I'll have enough, you know, money to get me through this or buy my way out of this, and it's it's empty in that. Good. What else do we see in this picture of a drought? I'm going to see if this can be one of the days. Sometimes when I teach, my Fitbit actually counts it as exercise. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I get kind of lively in the classroom sometimes. Get excited about this, but um, what else do we see about the drought? So we see um, dismay. We see the emptiness of wealth. Um, Dana. Yeah. So as we see this this picture of how total um, this drought is. Yeah, what a striking image of uh, this—you know, this deer with her newborn fawn, and like there is no grass to eat, and just ab- abandoning it um, because it's there. There's no hope for survival. The the earth is so parched, and then the the so like you have like the this kind of flip the two animals, so you get like one the wild animals that are reliant on fresh grass. And then you have animals that we consider to be a little more hardy. You know, the the donkey who can sniff out, find water, you know, and and that's the image. It's up on the hill, like, sniffing the air, you know, catching the breeze, trying to find where waters come. And it, too, is completely panting and parched. And, uh, you know, its eyes are failing because there is no water to be found in the land. So yeah, so it's a really um, striking picture uh, of you know, a graphic um, picture of you have empty pools, you have dried up pasture lands, wild animals at the point of starvation and death, um, and even the, the upper class of people who normally could get by during hard times are affected uh, by this drought. So this is the situation that exist in the land, Um, and and in verse seven, we have uh, Jeremiah, uh, and there's debate over, is this Jeremiah's prayer, or is this the people's prayer? Um, I think we can take it as Jeremiah's prayer, Um, but either way, um, how does Jeremiah in verses seven through nine plead the people's case before God to, to give them relief? in the face of this calamity. So in this calamity, uh, at least Jeremiah is turning to God looking to relief as you know, the chapter ends uh, with this, this idea. Are there any among the false gods of the nations that can bring rain or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? We set our hope on you for you do all these things. So, uh, so Jeremiah acknowledging that it's God who brought this drought. It's not a mere natural phenomenon but it's an indication of God's displeasure, um, uh, 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 displeasure of the people that he has brought these things about. Um, so, so Jeremiah turns to him. So, so what do we uh, see? How, how does Jeremiah go about uh, pleading the people's case in verses 7 through 9? Yeah, right. Yeah, so he, he, like, straight off is, you know, and in, in many ways, like, this is kind of like model prayer. He's not coming before God saying, you know, uh, pleading, oh, it's not that bad, <laughs> I don't deserve this, or we don't deserve this. Um, no, he's he's straightforward acknowledging, uh, our iniquities testify against us. Our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. So he like, uses three different words uh, to describe, you know, to capture how they've missed the mark uh, and what they've called to do. So um, he begins with this idea of, um, you know, <laughs> look, I know we don't deserve anything. <laughs> our iniquities are clearly before you. Um, Good, yeah Mike. Yeah, and he's calling God to act on the basis of God's character, as you say. Like their only hope uh is is in him. And that word for for hope there, um, OU hope of Israel, like like you know, it's a stronger word than our hope. <laughs> like, you know, like I might hope something that's never gonna come to pass. Like I hope my basketball team has a good season each year. They stink, (laughs) Um, like you know. I still hope that, (laughs) uh, knowing it's not going to come pass. Like this is um, uh, hope that is certain. Like you know, it's you owe hope of Israel. It is a you know a certain future that's that's hoped in. It's not you know something that may or may not come to pass. So so that idea hope there carries with it more than just the idea of you know, possibility. It it carries that, and the way we often use hope, uh, it carries a certainty. Like, this is the God who holds the future, so therefore he is the hope of Israel. And and so it's in God's uh, character, his graciousness, as Mike said, his mercy, Um, acting on the sake, like, so, you know, knows the contrast. What are the people like? They're, they're sinful. They're backsliding. Uh, they're full of iniquity. Um, so don't act on behalf of, of them. <laughs> act on behalf of yourself and on the sake of your name, your reputation. The people's reputation is, is mud. <laughs> um, is as, as bad as, but your reputation, oh God. Act, um, act to protect your namesake, your character, um, don't let the nations uh, hear how you've destroyed this people, but, but that you've promised to be their God, but you act faithfully uh, to the promises of your covenant. Good, other things that strike you about his prayer. So he starts off um, with the idea of, you know, again, kind of positioning, confession of sin, um, then he in turns acknowledgment um, uh, of God's character and calling on God to act. In terms of God's character? Yes, Scott. And then uh, uh, it progresses at the same time to this question of are you going to be our people? You know, do not leave us. Why are you like a visitor as opposed to we're your people? Yeah, so again, it's like taking God's promise, and what's, as you say, the promise we've seen, the promise of the covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. Like it's this, you know, God with us. And instead of that, like he's asking this question, why should you be a stranger, uh, a sojourner in land? Somebody doesn't know us. Like so here's the God who has promised uh to be in their midst, to be their God and for them to be their people. Um, and and so so Jeremiah's like, yeah, Why why are you acting like a stranger, Um, someone who doesn't belong here? Um, And then like this, why should you act like a man confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot save? He's already said, um, you you hope of Israel, it's savior in time of trouble. So, you know, you are the one who can save. Why are you acting like someone who doesn't have the power to save or deliver? Uh, Notice God is, um, I love how in verse 10 in God's response, um, thus says the Lord concerning this people. Like notice it's like, you know, uh, it's not my people. (laughs) Uh, You know, Jeremiah's pleading, do something for your people and and, uh, concerning this people here. (laughs) Um, You know, judgment is going to fall upon them, even though they are the people called by his name, um, he, he is gonna be faithful to that covenant because he's gonna bring the judgments he said he was going to bring. And if we were to go, uh, oh, sorry. I turned pages too, too far. Um, so like if we go to Deuteronomy 28 real quick. Um, uh, all right, where's my verse? 28 verses 23 and 24. So it's in a section of Deuteronomy where God has given, um, stated at the beginnings of chapter 28, blessings for obedience to the covenant. And now we're in a section in verses 23, 24 um, when you know, curses for disobedience. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and statutes I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And notice in verse 23 what one of those curses are. And the heavens over your head shall be bronze and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. So, God had said, if you disobey, you know, that the, the sky's gonna be bronze, the earth beneath your feet is gonna be iron, um, you're not gonna get rain, you're gonna get dust, and, and it's gonna be destruction. Um, what's the picture we're given <laughs> in the first half of Jeremiah 14? Heavens are, are bronze, <laughs> the ground beneath them is iron, um, and all they have is dust to, to drink. Um, so what God had said would happen if they disobeyed the covenant has, has come to pass. Um, their disobedience has brought these things upon them, and it's not that God has strayed for th- from them. Um, he, he hasn't wandered away. Uh, the picture is they have loved to wander they have not restrained their feet; therefore, the Lord does not accept them. Now He will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. So this people ha- has has wandered away from God, and by doing so has brought the, the evil upon themselves. Like uh, again, it's 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 coming as a result of their sinfulness. Um, so um, that that sneeze is so cute. <laughs> Oh, uh, sorry, distracted by babies. Um, uh, yeah, the destruction is, is coming. The evil that's befalling them is the result of the evil they themselves ha- have done. Um, so uh, that brings us to, to verse 11, where once again we have one of these commands of God. Um, the Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of this people. So, so what do we make, uh, and this is, if you're counting, um, this is the third time so far in the book where we've had God tell Jeremiah not to pray uh, for the people. Um, so chapter seven, uh, chapter 11, uh, and now here in chapter 14, uh, and it's gonna happen again in the future. So it, this is, again, one of those things, themes that gets repeated. So, so what do we make of this? Um, God telling Jeremiah not to pray for this people. i think in in this again like so the first thing we we'll always have to say it's conditional it's not like an absolute don't pray for them it, it's a conditional thing um and the condition here, I think you're right it, it is futility um like you know it, it's a it's a futile act <laughs> um praying for them at this point it's not like you know uh um it, it, it's, it's not like don't care for them, uh, it, it's the idea of, it, it, the judgment this time is coming, and, and it's set, and, it, and we see in Jeremiah's lifetime, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna be, Jerusalem's gonna be destroyed, the temple's destroyed, they're gonna be exiled. God has purposed to do this and, and is not relenting in, in his judgment at this moment. Um, it's the idea of like, so it's, it's that um, kind of like, don't expend the effort in trying to repair something that is completely broken. Um, like I was thinking there are a couple like pictures that came to my mind of this kind of futility. Um, I, I like to build things around my house. I've told you all this. Uh, I'm not a great carpenter. <laughs> um, I have a brother who is a builder and who is a like, literally master carpenter. <laughs> um, and it'd be like if I built something and he came and like, no, that's you know terrible. It's unfixable. You have to destroy it. And I'd be like, no, no, let me do this and this. And I try to patch it together. And he comes back and like, I should be trying to imitate him, like he like ain't gonna work. <laughs> He'll he he's got this great little kind of shake of the head. He's got a much bigger beard than me. He kind of looks like Grizzly Adams for those of you uh, familiar with the '70s. Um, you know, and he like it ain't gonna work. <laughs> You're gonna have to tear it all down and start over. And I'd be like, no, no. And I spend more time and effort trying to fix something that's unfixable. And, and that's the the kind of picture we hear it. The people of Judah are unfixable at this point all their um, all their uh, religious um, actions their fastings we 're seeing um, their burnt offerings their great grain offerings they 're all empty gestures um, that uh, that have no hope of, of bringing about god 's God's mercy, like there, there is no true repentance here, um, and we see in other places where there is true repentance, God does um, withhold the, you know, the coming judgment. Uh, you know, Solomon preached or you know, from Jonah last week, where God sends his prophet to, to Nineveh, even though he doesn't want to go, and the people repent, and so the judgment that um, that Jonah foretold doesn't come to pass even though he's sitting there waiting for the fireworks to happen and they don't happen and he gets mad about it. Um, in this case, that, you know there is no repentance. All we have are empty religious uh, gestures that without the heart being invested in them are, are meaningless. Like he doesn't want burnt offerings. He doesn't want grain offerings. Uh, he doesn't want fasting. He wants people who believe and obey, um, who start uh, living the way that God has called them to live. Um, and so, it's it's futile uh, to to pray for people that are refusing to repent. Yeah, so I, I there's a quote I wanna get to, but the first thing I wanna say before I get to the quote, um, because this quote kinda helps put like this circumstantial command, do not pray in light of like what we're told about prayer in in you know kind of broader scripture. Um so actually I forgot what I was gonna say, so let me read the quote. <laughs> um In a sense, prayer was futile in the circumstance since nothing in the book suggests any serious inclination to repentance. A theological question is raised as to whether it is ever proper to give up praying for anyone. Perhaps one may pray for them to come to repentance by way of divine judgment, but breach of covenant leads unerringly to divine judgment. Beyond judgment, there may well be repentance. The New Testament injunction, pray without ceasing, seems to be a sound one for practical religion, which can seldom handle the complexities of theological reasoning. Jeremiah was hardly a theologian, but he was a man with a vital practical religion. His own deep involvement with his people could not permit him to give up praying for them. So God, in a sense, is telling Jeremiah, theologically, the judgment's coming, your your prayer's useless, but practically... Why does God have to keep telling Jeremiah not to pray for them? (laughs) Because Jeremiah's praying for them. (laughs) Um, So it's not a a message, like, again, it's it's not an absolute don't ever pray for this people, it's wrong to do so. It's this, look, it's futile. Like, in these circumstances, the judgment's coming, you know, there is no true repentance. The terms of my covenant that said, if you do this, uh, you know, this will befall, that is going to, to come to pass. And um, so in this circumstance, Jeremiah, your prayer is, is futile, and Jeremiah continues to pray for him. Which again, I, I think that's, that's the idea of the pray without ceasing. Like we keep praying, we don't know the results, but we know the God who holds the results. In this case, God is telling Jeremiah the results. Like, which, again, is something we don't have access to. God God doesn't tell us what's going to befall our, our nation, our current circumstances. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or the week after that. Um, but God knows. In this case, Jeremiah, God has told Jeremiah what's going to befall, you know, in the coming years. Like, that this destruction is coming. Like... There, it's, it's, it's going to hit you. This, this force from the north is going to roll up your land like a carpet <laughs> and carry it off. Um, and, and that's, so Jeremiah knows something, um, and yet he still continually prays for the people. So from the practical religion standpoint, pray without ceasing. From a theological knowledge standpoint, God is telling Jeremiah it's futile. Uh, in this case, you can keep praying, but but no, like the dam's going to break. The other image that kept popping in my mind, it, and I can't remember like which particular cartoon, but it's it's kind of like you know an old vaudevillian comedy act where you, like the guy's passing by the dam, and you know a leak comes out, and so he sticks his finger here and. Then another one comes out, so then he sticks a finger over here, and then leak breaks out over there, so he's putting his foot, and then, the you know, like, the end of the joke is one breaks out right in front of him, so he puts his mouth on it and starts to fill up with water. Like, it's, like, the dam is gonna break. <laughs> um, and you can go through all the kind of comic uh, things to try to prevent the dam breaking, but but God is telling Jeremiah, like, the dam is gonna break. Like, so... You know, we can't put Band-Aids uh, on this one. Um, you know, there, there is no repentance without, or there is no hope without, like, heart surgery here, um, which isn't going, the people aren't gonna repent. So God knows the people aren't gonna repent. So therefore, the judgment is going to befall them. Good, any other questions on that before we move on to the next section? So part of the people's problem um, and again, this is a repeated theme uh, throughout the book, is the, the leadership of the people. So, so Jeremiah, uh, in response to this, um, you know, God telling him not to pray uh, um, by telling him that the judgment is coming. Uh, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. So what what are we supposed to make of these line prophets, uh, and is being deceived a valid excuse for lack of faithfulness? Um, like, what 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 do we think about these prophets here? Yeah, they're saying what the people want to hear. Um, a line kept. Uh, coming to me, um, again, uh, maybe it was Solomon using Flannery O'Connor <laughs> last week, but Flannery O'Connor has this great line about uh, a particular minister where she described he was one part minister and three parts masseuse. Uh, <laughs> it's that, that uh, and that kept, <laughs> that, that, that line kept coming to me for exactly what you're saying, Cynthia, like that, that they're just telling the people what they want to hear. Um, uh, you know, and they're saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Um, and again, we, we encounter these these prophets uh, again and again in the book of, of Jeremiah. And this is what Jeremiah's struggling with. Like, he's saying destruction's coming because you're unfaithful to the covenant. And they're saying, no, it's all good. You don't have to change anything, do anything, keep living the way... You want to live; it's it's all good. Um, so yeah, so it it's it's very much telling. And that, isn't that the message? Like you like, I mean, that's the message people want to hear. Like I don't have to, I'm okay. I don't have to do anything, <laughs> uh, and blessings will continually bef, you know befall on me. Um, that is the the message that is you know gets big audiences. You're all good burning incense to elite pieties, yeah, like and it's that idea, like you know we're we're fundamentally okay, like well, you know disaster will never befall us like. Um, I don't know if y'all pay attention to sports or, or not, um, but you might've heard, even if you don't pay attention to sports, you might've heard earlier this week, DeMar Hamlin, uh football player, um, literally like made a tackle, stood up and fell over. Like, you know, you, you just saw like, actually he went backwards, like, and just his heart stopped. They had to administer CPR on the field and listening to other players, like the game stops and all this, and and all these players like, we all know that that can happen, but while we're playing, everybody's like, it won't happen to me. And it's that kind of, that that idea of like, you know, these people are are doing uh, horrible things. Uh, We're given, let's flip over, if I hold on, hopefully I have the chapter right. Um, Flip over to Jeremiah, chapter, I think it's chapter 23. Um, yes, chapter 23. Um, we get this, this uh, again, we encounter these lying prophets um, starting in verse nine concerning the prophets. Uh, and so it's this long description um, of all these, these false prophets. Um, in verse uh, 16, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually, they say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. And that's, that's the that's what Jeremiah is, is struggling against here. These, these people who are, you know, know the sins of the people um, and are refusing to give them correction and instead, again, doing this, you know, it, you're, you're fine. Um, it's all good. Uh, there, there's gonna be peace. You know, there will be no destruction even though God has said there will be destruction. Um, they're denying, they're refusing to listen to the word of, of God. They're refusing to be instructed by the word of God. And that like, you know, as we kind of get to application, like, all right, how, how do we know, you know, prophets are lying to us? Like, you know, what, what is our test for discernment? Uh, and the test is, is what they're saying in conformity with the word of God. That's the test. They're saying, no disaster will befall you, even you know, like in full recognition of all the evil in the land, and they're saying, no, the word of God, oh, all that stuff about being faithful to the covenant, you know, yeah, it was, it was just advice. <laughs> um, you, you can choose your own path, go your own way, um, Uh, No, Jeremiah is saying, this is what God said. This is what's gonna happen. They're saying, pay no attention to what God said. It's all gonna be good. Um, Because they got people listening to them. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, yeah, like, and and prophets um, we got to remember like think think prophets think preachers like you know and, and sometimes god raises preachers up you know um, and then there are preachers that are you know part of the landscape so in the same way there are prophets that are just part of the landscape it's like their job um, you know they're, they're schools of the prophets like that, people belong to, so so some of these guys are the pros. Like you know, this is their job to prophesy. Um, but then there are people like Jeremiah who you know experience a calling and, and proclaim. Um, presumably, there are some who are like presenting themselves that way. You know that I am a prophet and listen to me and you know peace, peace uh, when there is no peace. Like you know, no disaster shall befall you, uh, and it's like like over and over again, like disaster is befalling them <laughs> at the moment, and they're like, no, it's all good. <laughs> um you know, we'll get to the book like like you know earlier, I said, you know, we don't have like a specific moment being given, um later on we we know they're exactly the the moment like. He's in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is under siege. Uh, The famine uh, and sword that we see prophesied, pestilence, that is happening at that moment. And we know exactly where Jeremiah is, what the situation is, and what's going on. And even at that moment, these guys are like, no, no. (laughs) Uh, It it will be, be okay. Like, you know, God won't bring disaster. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, it's a little rough right now, but we'll get through, we're fine, it will all be fine, even as the walls are literally caving in upon them. Like, it, it's that kind of, of picture of how self-deceived they are uh, themselves and how they in turn are deceiving the people who are coming to listen. And why are people coming to listen to them? Because again, uh, as Cynthia said, they're telling the people exactly what they want to hear. Like, you know, one part minister, three parts masseuse. Yeah, and the thing they're saying, you know, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. I will give you assured peace and place. And and God, in response, says, by sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. Like you know, they are going to very much feel the emptiness of their words. Um, the judgment they say can never befall them is going to befall them. In a, a horrific fashion, and um, you know the, we've we've encountered this idea before in Jeremiah. But just to like point it out again, like how horrible a thought it is to to not have a burial, like none, like nobody will be left to bury them. Like so, the proper rituals of of mourning aren't going to be followed. Your body, your body, the body of your sons and daughters and wives are just gonna lay in the street. Like how, uh, like, you know, for us, like how, um, uh, you know, aghast we are when someone desecrates a cemetery. Like, you know, that's an assault on, on, on the dead kind of thing, like, this is that kind of like idea. This is so horribly grievous of an idea, but that's how horrible the judgment is gonna be that's gonna befall them. Um, all right, good. Um, so, um, so we have these line prophets um, who, again, will um, uh, come against. Um, to, to end, I don't have a, a good question on this, uh, largely because I haven't quite figured it out myself, so maybe you can help me. Um, uh, in verse 17, um, we're given, uh, you know, God saying, you shall say to them this word, um, and then it, it enters in, it's almost like he's, um, he's giving them insight into how, what, what God feels at this moment. You shall say to them this word, let my eyes run down with tears night and day and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people is shattered with a great wound, with a very grievous blow, if i go out into the field behold those pierced by the sword and i if i enter the city behold the diseases of famine for both prophet and priest ply their trade through the land and have no knowledge like yeah what what do we make like who who's expressing this like it it seems like it's coming from god expressing you know his like, he's bringing this judgment on them, but at the same time, he weeps uh, for, for his people um, on whom the judgment's befalling. Like, yeah, what, what do we do with this section? Yeah, Cynthia. Yeah, that, that again, like it's like his love is for his people. Um and and he's like he knows they've been deceived and yet the the judgment still befalls them despite the fact they were deceived. Like deception is no excuse. Like like I listened to a lying prophet, like you know, or like, you know, I listened to the scammer who sent me the text or phone call and, and Like, yeah, I was deceived. My bank account is empty all all the same. Like, the results, uh, you know, still fall. Um, And and God grieves for, for the people on whom God is bringing this destruction. Yeah, and and as you say, like uh, like this is a like this brings us to the cross. Like it helps us understand that God so loves His people that the judgment that He has to bring upon them because of their sin, He takes that upon Himself uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. Like He He takes the wrath that they deserve upon himself because of his love. The the wrath is unescapable, um, and that's the image we're given here. The wrath is coming. Um, but that doesn't mean that God has ceased to love his people. Um, it doesn't mean, uh, as we, uh, you know, we have these rhetorical questions uh, in verse um, 19. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? You know. No, he doesn't. He hasn't utterly rejected Judah. He, he, he doesn't loathe Zion. <laughs> he, he loves them and weeps for them and will send his son to take the wrath. So this kind of wrath that befalls Judah at this particular moment doesn't have to befall God's people again because he himself is taking the punishment that their sin deserves. He's taking on himself The the wrath and judgment that their sin deserves, out of His love for them. Um, So again, we're given uh, it's giving us this glimpse to the the compassion of God, even at the very moment He's bringing judgment on His people. That and again, it's like they're they might (laughs) the irony here that they're kind of like pleading the covenant. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, like, oh, be faithful to your covenant, like when they're completely unfaithful to it. It's sort of like, uh, you know, but he is faithful to his covenant, uh, and he's faithful in bringing the curses that he said would befall them, um, and in doing so, he's setting the pathway to bring them the the perfect blessing and, and true peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. Um, It's not going to be peace in circumstances. Uh, It's not going to be a peace that allows people to sit uh, easy in their their sin um, and their sinful circumstances. Um, It it will be God's true peace um, that brings true repentance. Yeah, and it it is coming back to this this idea of like, I mean, like Jeremiah, who who's just been said told, do not pray for the welfare of the people, <laughs> is is coming back like and and saying it, and and just to give like preview um, of chapter fifteen, I love how chapter fifteen and chapter fifteen is continuing this like there's a chapter break, but in reality. This passage continues into the beginning of chapter 15. Uh, the Lord said to me, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward these people. Like, like you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's not you. <laughs> it's not your inadequacy. Uh, it's, it's them. <laughs> um, you know, those who are for pestilence are heading for pestilence. Um, those for the sword are heading for the sword and those for famine are heading to the famine. Like, it's, it's gonna happen. Um, all right well um we're at time, so let me uh close this and pray gracious god we we do thank you um for your perfection um your uh um perfect in in your love uh and in your integrity uh and therefore you're perfect uh in your your judgment uh and bringing uh, bringing it upon your people uh and we uh come to you um because Uh, You have taken the the judgment and the punishment and the wrath that we deserved um, and given it, that cup, to our Savior Jesus Christ that he drunk it for us, that um, you would be our uh, eternal hope. And again, not uh, hope in our sense of hope, but hope in a thing that is indeed certain, um, that you uh, save your people, um, not just from a particular set of circumstances, but save them eternally and, and utterly uh, from ourselves. Um, so we thank you uh, for the work of redemption that you've brought, uh, even as you uh, exercise your perfect um, judgment. Lord, um, knowing uh, this about you and knowing your character uh, should cause us to, to, um, to give you praise and glory. And we ask that you would give us Uh, hearts uh, filled with uh, humility, but also filled with joy uh, at at your great uh, redemption and our great hope uh, in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Help us to worship now in the coming hour, we pray, uh, by our Savior Jesus Christ's name, uh, by the power of your spirit. Amen.